Hello, and welcome to the Dead Author Society. I'm Artemis Rosier. Today, we celebrate Frank Herbert. Date of death, February 11th, 1986. Rest in peace. Dune Messiah Chapter 1 There exists no separation between gods and men. One blends softly casual into the other. Proverbs of Maudib Despite the murderous nature of the plot he hoped to devise, the thoughts of Sightail, the Tillalaxu face dancer, returned again and again to rueful compassion. I shall regret causing death and misery to Maudib, he told himself. He kept this benignity carefully hidden from his fellow conspirators. Such feelings told him, though, that he found it easier to identify with the victim than with the attackers, a thing characteristic of the Tillalaxu. Saitail stood in bemused silence, somewhat apart from the others. The argument about psychic poison had been going on for some time now. It was energetic and vehement but polite in that blindly compulsive way adepts the great schools always adopted for matters close to their dogma. When you think you have him skewered, right then you'll find him unwounded. That was the old Reverend Mother of the Bene Gesserit, Gaius Helen Mohim, their hostess here on Wallach Nine. She was a black-robed stick figure, a witch crone seated in a floater chair at Saitail's left. Her abba hood had been thrown back to expose a leathery face beneath silver hair. Deeply pocketed eyes stared out of skull mask features. They were using a Miribasa language, honed phalange consonants and joined vowels. It was an instrument for conveying fine emotional subtleties. Idric, the guild steersman, replied to Reverend Mother, now with a vocal curiosity contained in a sneer, a lovely touch of disdainful politeness. Saitail looked at the guild envoy. Idric swam in a container of orange gas only a few paces away. His container sat in the center of the transparent dome which the Bene Gesserit had built for this meeting. The guildsman was an elongated figure, vaguely humanoid with thinned feet and hugely fanned membranous hands. A fish in a strange sea. His tank's vents emitted a pale orange cloud rich with the smell of the geriatric spice. Melange. If we go on this way, we'll die of stupidity. That was the fourth person present, a potential member of the conspiracy, Princess Arulian, wife, but not mate, Saitel reminded himself, of their mutual foe. She stood at a corner of Edric's tank, a tall, blonde beauty, 
splendid in a robe of blue whale fur and matching hat. Gold buttons glittered at her ears. She carried herself with an aristocrat's hauteur, but something in the absorbed smoothness of her features betrayed the controls of her Bene Gesserit background. Sightail's mind turned from nuances of language and faces to nuances of location. All around the dome lay hills mangy with melting snow which reflected mottled wet blueness from the small blue-white sun hanging at the meridian. Why this particular place? Sightail wondered. Being a Jesuit seldom did anything casually. Take the dome's open plan. The more conventional and confining space might have inflicted the guildsmen with claustrophobic nervousness. Inhibitions in his psyche were those of birth and life off-planet in open space. To have built this place especially for Edric, though, with a sharp finger that pointed at his weakness. What here? Sightail wondered. It seemed to me. Have you nothing to say for yourself, Sightail? The Reverend Mother demanded. You wish me to draw into this fool's fight? Sightail asked. Very well. We're dealing with a potential messiah. You don't launch a frontal attack upon such a one martyrdom would defeat us. They all stared at him. You think that's the only danger? The Reverend Mother demanded, voice wheezing. Sightail shrugged. He had chosen a bland, round-faced appearance for this meeting. Jolly features and vapid, full lips. The body of a bloated dumpling. It occurred to him now, as he studied his fellow conspirators, that he had made an ideal choice. Out of instinct, perhaps. He alone in this group could manipulate fleshy appearance across a wide spectrum of bodily shapes and features. He was the human chameleon. A face dancer, and the shape he wore now invited others to judge him too lightly. Well, the Reverend Mother pressed. I was enjoying the silence. Sightail said, Our hostilities are better left unvoiced. The Reverend Mother drew back, and Sightail saw her reassessing him. They were all products of profound prana bindu training capable of muscle and nerve control that few humans ever achieved. But Sightail, a face dancer, had muscles and nerve linkages the others didn't even possess, plus a special quality of simpatico, a mimic's insight with which he could put on the psyche of another as well as the other's appearance. Sightail gave her enough time to complete the reassessment, said, Poison! He uttered the word with the atonals, which said he alone understood its secret meaning. The guildsman stirred, and his voice rolled from the glittering speaker globe which orbited a corner of his tank above Arulian. We are discussing psychic poison, not a physical one. Saitail <laughs> laughed. Yerbasa laughter could flay an opponent and he held nothing back now. Arulian smiled in appreciation, 
but the corners of the Reverend Mother's eyes revealed a faint hint of anger. Stop that! Mohim rasped. Sightail stopped, but he had their attention now. Idrith, in a silent rage, the Reverend Mother alert in her anger. Arulian, amused but puzzled. Our friend Edric suggests, Sightail said, that a pair of Bene Gesserit witches trained in all their subtle ways have not learned the true uses of deception. Moen turned to stare out at the cold hills of her Bene Gesserit homeworld. She was beginning to see the vital thing here. Sightail realized that was good. Cerulean, though, was another matter. Are you one of us or not, Sightail? Edric asked. He stared out of tiny rodent eyes. My allegiance is not the issue, Sightail said. He kept his attention on Arulian. You are wondering, princess, if this was why you came all these parsecs risks so much? She nodded agreement. Was it to bandy platitudes with a humanoid fish or dispute with a fat telelaxu face dancer? Sightail asked. She stepped away from Edric's tank, shaking her head in annoyance, the thick odor of melange. Edric took this moment to pop a melange pill in his mouth. He ate the spice and breathed it out and no doubt drank it. Sightail noted. Understandable, because the spice heightened a steersman's prescience, gave him the power to guide a guild highliner across space at translight speeds. With spice awareness, he found that line of the ship's future which avoided peril. Edric smelled another kind of peril now, but his crutch of prescience might not find it. I think it was a mistake for me to come here. Rulian said. The Reverend Mother turned, opened her eyes, closed them, a curiously reptilian gesture. Sightail shifted his gaze from Rulian to the tank, inviting the princess to share his viewpoint. She would, Sightail knew, see Edric as a repellent figure. The bold stare, those monstrous feet and hands moving softly in the gas the smoky swirling of orange eddies around him. She would wonder about his sex habits, thinking how odd it would be to mate with such a one. Even the field force generator, which recreated for Edric the weightlessness of space, would set him apart from her now. Princess, Sightail said, because of Edric here, your husband's oracular sight cannot stumble upon certain instances, including this one. Presumably. Presumably, Aurelian said. Eyes closed. The Reverend Mother nodded. The phenomenon of Frisians is poorly understood even by its initiates. She said, I am a full guild navigator and have the power, Edric said. Again, the Reverend Mother opened her eyes, 
This time, she stared at the face dancer, eyes probing with that peculiar Bene Gesserit intensity. She was weighing Minutia. Oh, Reverend Mother, Saitail murmured. I am not as simple as I appeared. We don't understand this power of second sight, Aurelian said. There is a point. Idrix says my husband cannot see, know, or predict what happens within the sphere of a navigator's influence. But how far does that influence extend? There are people and things in our universe which I know only by their effects, Idrix said. His fish mouth held in a thin line. I know they have been here. There, somewhere, as water creatures stir up the currents in their passage, so the prescient stir up time. I have seen where your husband has been. Never have I seen him nor the people who truly share his aims and loyalties. This is the concealment which an adept gives to those who are his. Erulian is not yours, Sightail said. He looked sideways at the princess. We all know why the conspiracy must be conducted only in my presence, Edric said, using the voice mode for describing a machine. Erulian said, You have your uses, apparently. She sees him now for what he is, Saitel thought. Good. The future is a thing to be shaped, Saitel said. Hold that thought, princess. Erulian glanced at the face dancer. People who share Paul's aims and loyalties, she said. Certain of his Revan legionaries then wear his cloak. I've seen him prophesy for them, heard their cries of adulation for their Mahdi, their Mahdib. It has occurred to her, Saitail thought, that she is on trial here, that a judgment remains to be made which could preserve her or destroy her. She sees the trap we set for her. Momentarily, Saitail's gaze locked with that of the Reverend Mother, and he experienced the odd realization that they had shared this thought about Erulian. The Bene Gesserit, of course, had briefed their princess, primmed her with a lie adroit, but the moment always came when a Bene Gesserit must trust her own training and instincts. Princess, I know what it is you most desire from the Emperor. Idrix said, Who does not know it? Aurelian asked. You wish to be the founding mother of the royal dynasty? Idrix said, as though he had not heard her. Unless you join us, that will never happen. Take my oracular word on it. The emperor married you for political reasons, but you'll never share his bed. So who... The oracle is also a voyeur. Rulian sneered. The emperor is more firmly wedded to his friend and concubine than he is to you. 
Edric snap, and she gives him no air. Marillion said, Reason is the first victim of strong emotion, Sightail murmured. He sensed the outpouring. Marillion's anger saw his admonition take effect. She gives him no air, Marillion said, her voice measuring out controlled calmness. Because I am secretly administering a contraceptive. Is that the sort of admission you wanted from me? It'd not be a thing for the Emperor to discover, Edric said, smiling. I have lies ready for him, Rulian said. He may have truth sense, but some lies are easier to believe than the truth. You must make the choice, princess, Sightail said. But understand what it is protects you. Paul is fair with me, she said. I sit in his council. In the twelve years you've been his princess consort, Idric asked. Has he shown you the slightest warmth? Rulian shook her head. He disposed your father with his infamous Fremen horde, married you to fix his claim to the throne. Yet he has never crowned you empress, Edric said. Edric tries to sway you with emotion, princess, Sightail said. Is that not interesting? She glanced at the fire dancer, saw the bold smile on his features, answered it with raised eyebrows. She was fully aware now, Sightail saw, that if she left this conference under Edric's sway, Part of their plot, these moments, might be concealed from Paul's oracular vision. If she withheld commitment, though. Has it seemed to you, princess, Sightail asked, that Edric holds undue sway in our conspiracy? I've already agreed, Edric said, that I'll defer to the best judgment offered in our councils. And who chooses the best judgment? Sightail asked. Do you wish the princess to leave here without joining us? Edric asked. He wishes her commitment to be a real one. The Reverend Mother growled. There should be no trickery between us. Rulian, Sightail saw, had relaxed into a thinking posture, hands concealed in the sleeves of her robe. She would be thinking now of the bait Edric had offered to found a royal dynasty. She would be wondering what scheme the conspirators had provided to protect themselves from her. She would be weighing many things. So too, Arulian said presently, It is said that you, Tilalaxu, have an odd system of honor. Your victims must always have a means of escape, if they can but find it. Sightail agreed. Am I a victim? Arulian asked. <laughs> a burst of laughter escaped Sightail. <laughs> the Reverend Mother snorted. Princess, Edric said, 
his voice softly persuasive. You already are one of us. Have no fear of that. Do not spy upon the Imperial household or your Bene Gesserit superiors. Paul knows. I report to my teachers, she said. But don't you give them the material for strong propaganda against your Emperor? Dietrich asked. Not our Emperor, sighed Hailnobit. Your Emperor. Julian is too much the Bene Gesserit to miss that slip. The question is one of powers, and how they may be used, Saitail said, moving closer to the guildsman's tank. We of the Tilalaxu believe that in all the universe there is only the insatiable appetite of matter, that energy is the only true solid, and energy learns. Hear me well, princess. Energy learns. This we call power. You haven't convinced me we can defeat the Emperor, Aurelian said. We haven't even convinced ourselves, Saitel said. Everywhere we turn, Aurelian said, his power confronts us. He's the Kwisat Tadirak, the one who can be many places at once. He's the Mahdi, whose merest whim is absolute command to his Kwisarat missionaries. He's the Mentat, whose computational mind surpasses the greatest ancient computers. He is Magib, whose orders to the feminine legions depopulate planets. He possesses oracular vision, which sees into the future. He has that gene pattern, which we Bene Gesserit's covet for. We know his attributes, the Reverend Mother interrupted. And we know the abomination his sister, Alia, possesses this gene pattern. But they're also humans, both of them. Thus, they have weaknesses. And where are those human weaknesses? The faced answer asked. Shall we search for them in the religious arm of his jihad? Can the Emperor's Quizara be turned against him? What about the civil authority of the great houses? Can the Lansrat Council do more than raise a verbal clamor? I suggest the combined haunted over advanced mercantiles, Edric said, turning in his tank. Shome is business, and business follows profits. Or perhaps the Emperor's mother, Saitail said, Lady Jessica. I understand remains on Caledon, but is in frequent communication with her son. That traitorous bitch, Moam said, voice level. Would I might disown my own hands which trained her? Our conspiracy requires a lever, Saitail said. We are more than conspirators, the Reverend Mother countered. Ah, yes, Saitail agreed. We are energetic and we learn quickly. This makes us the one true hope, certain salvation of humankind. He spoke in the speech mode for absolute conviction, which was perhaps the ultimate sneer coming, as it did from Attila Laksu. Only the Reverend Mother 
appeared to understand the subtlety. Why? She asked, directing the question at Sightail. Before the faced answer could answer, Edric cleared his throat, said, <clears throat> Let's not bandy philosophical nonsense. Every question cannot be boiled down to this one. Why is there anything? Every religious business and governmental question has the single derivative. Who will exercise the power? Alliances, combines, complexes, they all chase mirages unless they go for the power. All else is nonsense, as most thinking beings come to realize. Sightail shrugged, a gesture designed solely for the Reverend Mother. Edric had answered her question for him. The pontificating fool was their major weakness. Make sure the Reverend understood, Sightail said. Listening carefully to the teacher, one acquires an education. The Reverend Mother nodded slowly. Princess, Edric said. Make your choice. You have been chosen as an instrument of destiny, the very finest. Save your praise for those who can be swayed by it, Ulian said. Earlier you mentioned a ghost, a revenant with which we may contaminate the Emperor. Explain this. Eatrates will defeat himself, Edric crowed. Stop talking riddles, Aurelian snapped. What is this ghost? A very unusual ghost, Edric said. It has a body and a name. The body, that's the flesh of a renowned swordsmaster known as Duncan Idaho. The name. Idaho's dead, Aurelian said. Paul has mourned the loss, often in my presence. He saw Idaho killed by my father's Sadakar. Even in defeat, Edric said, your father's Sadakar did not abandon wisdom. Let us suppose a wise Sadakar commander recognized a swordmaster in a corpse. His men had slain what then? There exists uses for such flesh and training, if one acts swiftly. Atelabaxugula, Aurelian whispered, looking sideways at Sightail. Sightail, observing her attention, exercised his face dancer powers, shape flowing into shape, flesh moving and readjusting. Presently, a slender man stood before her, the face remained somewhat round, but darker, with slightly flattened features. High cheekbones formed shelves for eyes with definite epicanthic folds. The hair was black and unruly. A gula of this appearance, Edric said, pointing to Sightail. Or merely another face dancer? Aurelian asked. No face dancer, Edric said. A face dancer risks exposure under prolonged surveillance. No. Let us assume that our wise Sardaukar commander had Idaho's corpse preserved for all the axolotl tanks. Why not? 
This corpse held the flesh and nerves, one of the finest swordsmen in history, an advisor to the Atreides, a military genius. What a waste to lose all that training and ability when it might be revived as an instructor for the Sardaukar. I heard not a whisper of this, and I was one of my father's confidants. Irelian said, Ah, but your father was a defeated man, and within a few hours you have been sold to the new emperor. Idric said, Was it done? She demanded. With a maddening air of complacency, Idric said, Let us presume that our wise Sardaukar commander, knowing the need for speed, immediately sent the preserved flesh of Idaho to the Binitilalaxu. Let us suppose further. The commander, his men died before conveying this information to your father. Who couldn't have made much use of it anyway? What would remain then a physical fact? A bit of flesh which had been sent off to the Tilalaxu. There was only one way for it to be sent, of course, on a highliner. We of the guild naturally know every cargo we transport. Learning of this one, would we not think it additional wisdom to purchase the Gula as a gift befitting an emperor? listening to the Dead Authors Society. Be sure to follow for more content posted several days a week.